This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap for Wednesday, the 1st of February 2023. I am Stephen Scott. Coming up today, your feedback and an insider from Google talks to us. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your host, Stephen Scott. Hello, hello, hello. How are you today? I hope you're well. Uh, Yeah, we are going to be talking to an insider from Google. It's not some kind of whistleblowing thing, right? So don't get too excited. But what I will say is this is great news if you've ever wondered how disabled people have their voices heard at Google. This guy is a fantastic guy. Sanjay Batra is his name. He's blind himself. And he leads a team making sure that across the products and services at Google that disabled, disabled people's voices are heard which is just brilliant. So looking forward to chatting with uh, Sanji a bit later today. We kick off, though, with some other news uh, because um, there's actually a lot of stories we haven't gotten to in the past uh, couple of weeks. Uh, and one in particular, which I, I only just spotted myself the other day, thanks to Michael Babcock, our intrepid reporter uh, out there. And uh, he has been, he was actually talking to Kelly and Ramia. You might have heard him on the show as he uh, does appear with Kelly and Ramia. I think he prefers them to me. I'll be totally honest. I think he prefers Kelly and Ramia. You know, I've met Kelly and Rami. I can understand it. I, I get it. You know, I've been on their show. They're, they're very they're very intriguing people. They're nice people to talk to. Why have they never been on our show? Have we never invited Kelly and Rami onto the show? We've had Rami on. I don't think we've ever had Kelly. We've had Dave. I'll need to fix that. Anyway, okay. So, yes, Kelly and Rami must come on the show. But anyway, that aside, Michael Babcock is a regular contributor to their show. And I heard him the other day talking to Kelly and Ramia about the uh, Blanchard Classic 2. This is, of course, as you know, the phone that is your kind of old-style Nokia-type device. Um, but, you know, fully accessible. has got a screen reader in there, large text. All the apps are accessible. It's a brilliant system. So, yeah, we've been uh, talking a lot about it. Well, they have a new app on there. Um they have a number of apps, actually. I mean, you, you've heard us talk about this before. We've talked about the apps like WhatsApp they put on there. Um, Lady A is on there. Uh, Bard, that's the new one, of course, Bard Mobile. Ira is available on there as well. If you have an ARX Vision headset, you can connect it now to the Blanchard Classic and it works. So that's brilliant. But yeah, the latest one is Zoom. And you can, I, I think prior to this, what people would do and a lot of people don't realise this about Zoom, you can connect to Zoom calls by phone. You don't actually have to have an app to do it. You can connect via phone. So when someone's setting up a Zoom meeting, they will often have a phone number, and you can dial that number, and you enter a participant code, and you're in. Because, look, Zoom is a conference platform, and a lot of conference platforms have that capability. Um I found it really useful when we were getting guests onto the show years ago. I used to find it really difficult sometimes to get people onto those systems. But if I could say to them, well, all you have to do is dial this number from a landline or from a mobile and you can get right through to Zoom, then that was pretty cool too, right? So that works. Um, But now, of course, with the Zoom app, you can just connect directly into a meeting. Someone can send you a link and it can take you straight to that meeting. So I haven't tried it in myself and how it actually works yet. I am... Talking to Blindshell, they are going to send me a new Blindshell Classic 2 to play with so I can get a sense of how this is all working because the original Blindshell Classic, which I do have, has changed a lot. I mean, if you have the old one, it's quite a step up in terms of the capability. That app store alone is the reason to want the the, the 2. It's as simple as that. So great news about the Blindshell Classic 2 and its continuing development. Of course, you might remember we had Barry Asman on the show uh, from Blanchell uh, USA talking about this and, and discussing the the roadmap and that there are a lot of apps they'd like to bring to the platform. I think everybody must email them constantly about, you know, I want this app, I want this app, I want this app. And, of course, there's always a challenge with that, isn't there? Because how many apps can you bring on before you essentially just become a different, you know, basically just an, a ghost of Android itself? Because that's what Blanchell runs on. It runs on Android. So... Interesting. Uh, But anyway, that's one story which I thought was rather interesting. The other one is good for anyone who's looking for a way, and I have to learn a bit more about this platform, but there's a a platform out there 
which allows people who are blind to be able to connect to another computer remotely and connect and use that person's computer. The challenge for a lot of people who are blind who want to support other blind people or people who are blind who want to work in the industry where support is necessary in the IT support industry, uh, the challenge has been how to do that. Because oftentimes a lot of these platforms like uh, AnyDesk or TeamViewer or whatever it might be, they will connect you to the device, but how can you control the other machine? Because bear in mind, we as blind users are using the keyboard for everything. So we need to essentially take over your computer using the keyboard. You can't just do it visually with a mouse. So how, how do you get the keyboard to, you know, so for example, let's say you are on a Windows PC, you connect to someone on Windows. How do you make it so that when you press the Windows key, it's not starting the menu on your computer and not their computer? That's one thing. Also, there's issues around hearing the speech back and actually hearing their screen reader versus yours and all of that. So that's been an issue. And there's a company called Numa Solutions. Uh, the spelling of that is uh, P-N-E-U-M-A, Numa Solutions. And they have a product called Remote Incident Manager. And it's been around for a little bit. I had a lot of blind people talking about it and they rave about it. Um, but one of the problems has been it's been really for Windows. And we haven't really seen an option out there for Mac. Well, that's changing. They have now got RIM, R-I-M, Remote Incident Manager, coming to the Mac, which they say will be exactly the same. It will provide all the same features as you get on Windows, including the high-quality audio and visual output, keyboard and mouse support, and the extremely simple interface as well. So really interesting to see that happening. This is in beta stage at the moment. You can sign up. You can take part in the private beta. We'll put the link into our show notes. So if you want to do that, you can test that out. Remote Incident Manager is essentially another team viewer or an AnyDesk equivalent, but this one is accessible. And now it's uh, going to be coming to the Mac as well, which is absolutely brilliant. So really, really pleased to hear that. Uh, so lots of interesting stuff. And also I've been talking a lot about WhatsApp. I love WhatsApp on the PC. And I think that might be, I mean, I'm not saying it is, but, you know, if, the, if, I, if I never had to use a Mac again, one of the things, of course, I love most about using the Mac is the FaceTime and the, the iMessage capability. And now with WhatsApp on the PC, it kind of replaces that for me. Because let's be honest, even on my iPhone, I'm not just using iMessage and FaceTime, right? I'm using WhatsApp as well. And more and more people are using WhatsApp. And I think it's because... And I've seen a lot of blind people use it as well because it's availability on platforms like the PC and also on the Mac. There is an, a, a version which I'm not as convinced is as accessible. It is accessible, don't get me wrong. I just think it's not as accessible. It's, it's just more difficult to move around the software. What's happened the PC, the latest edition, you've got to make sure you've got the latest version and you can get it from the uh, WhatsApp uh, website. You can also get it from the Microsoft Store. What's good about it is you can pretty much just tab your way around. You know, even I found the other day just by accident, control one, control two, control three will move you between the different messages. So, you know, if I'm talking to Sean Priest or Mr. F, if I hit, and you know, Mr. F is second in the list, um, clearly an oversight, Mr. F will fix that. Uh, but, you know, when Mr. F is, you know, in second in the list, I can just hit control two and that will move me to that message, that thread of messages and it will plonk me straight into the text field that I can just immediately start typing. So I can very quickly navigate that system. However, as is often the case, there aren't a lot of other keyboard shortcuts that would benefit someone, say, who uses JAWS. Well, there's a company called HeartGen uh, Consultancy, and they have produced a range of scripts for lots of different products. They have their own products, which they sell, which essentially really, I would say, pro up JAWS. And, any, and and if you can, I mean, can you even pro up JAWS? Can you make it more pro? Well, apparently you can. And uh, one way to do that is to uh, get these scripts. He has a product there, Brian Hartgent, has a product called Lisi, uh, which a lot of people like and talk about. Uh, but if you want to just have the scripts for WhatsApp, as he's created, uh, for JAWS, so you have to have JAWS. These are for JAWS only. Um, you can get these scripts for JAWS that will enable additional, lots of additional features. 
uh, and lots of different key commands that you can use. So you can really become a more pro user of WhatsApp. It's something I'm looking to get because I honestly think I am using this so much. See, some apps that come along, I think, can I benefit from an extra script on this? Nah, I'll get by. For, for what I'm doing with it, I can get by. But the problem I have is I'm often using WhatsApp in quite time-sensitive situations. And I think just having those extra keystrokes that allow me to jump to a message or jump to the particular part of the, you know, whatever it is, jump to the you know audio recording button or jump to the video call or audio call button very quickly, that would be good. So well worth checking that out. And the great thing with uh, Hartjun and his, uh, you know, Brian Hartjun and his company and all the stuff he does is it's forever being updated. It's always being checked and updated and made sure it's up to date. So well worth checking out. Um, okay, I want to get to your feedback because lots of you have been getting in touch um, on a wide range of topics, including seeing AI, which I mentioned yesterday. Hi there, it's Lewis. Stephen, it's finally time you do some work instead of always putting things on Sean's plate and having him do all the work. And you just kind of say a few things and make yourself look good and pretend like you're working. Yep. Anyway, but um, this is Lewis. I'm calling you because I am um, calling about what you mentioned on the uh, Tuesday uh, show of um, seeing AI having the indoor mapping um, capabilities. Now, I tried it on my phone here in Toronto, Canada, and it did not have that update. I can't get that update in any way. Uh, my phone is uh, updated to um, 16.3, and I don't know what to do. So I'm basically asking for some advice. But then again, we know Sean Priest is not there to give the advice, so I don't know if this is beyond you. But anyway, if you want to use this on air, it's fine. It's Lewis from Toronto. Have a good day. Bye-bye. All the best to Sean and to you and to Mr. F. Mr. F, please let them do something. They don't do a bad job. They might not do a great job, but they don't do a bad job. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> wow, Lewis, I tell you, I can recommend a good book. I don't know if you've ever had this book. It's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's well worth reading. It is uh, quite an interesting book, Lewis. Um, yeah, tell someone their show's terrible and that they, they don't do any work. But, you know, can you help me out? Um... No, I can't. No, of course I can help you out, Lewis. Uh, yeah, I actually did get this checked. I got Mark, uh, who's in Montreal, of course. I got him to check this and made sure that the app update was available in Canada. And it is. It is absolutely there. So I don't know what to tell you. I think, you know, one of the things you can do when you're in the app store and you have to go into the app store, as I had to do this, to go in and refresh and make sure that the app, the app was definitely uh, needing the update because it didn't update itself. I think some of my apps do, and I think eventually it would. But you can go in, you can force the update. So what to do is go into the App Store, uh, go to where you've purchased your apps, and you can do that. If you're on VoiceOver, you can do the swipe down with three fingers to you know the pull down to refresh, and that will let you just make sure that it's seeing the update. And then when you get to the seeing AI part, instead of saying open, it should say update. So try it again, Lewis. Let me know how you get on. Um, it might just be rolling out a bit more slowly, although it does seem to be available to most people. I'm getting a lot of emails from people saying that they are getting uh, that. So, yeah, just just keep trying it, Lewis. Thanks for your message. Uh, thank you for your voicemail. one 4567 No, I didn't nearly forget. I didn't. one 4567 Do you know what I actually did that? I looked at my keyboard. Not that I can see it, but I looked at my keyboard because when I type out the, the show notes that go up onto the the podcast um i i have it in my it's, it's a visual thing where i it's weird isn't it you, you look at your hands sometimes you look at your keyboard for visual reminders of things you've done i think that's a sighted thing i think it's coming from a world where i could see better to be able to do things visually you kind of still do that do blind people do this do blind people look at something to kind of get a sense of like if you were talking to someone and you said oh it's at the door would you, would you look at the yeah Maybe you do. I don't know. Interesting. Uh, right, let's get another uh, email. This from Carrie, who got in touch. Laura reads our emails. Hi, Stephen. I first got an Echo when the second generation dots came out. I snatched up about 10 of them when they were on sale for around $25 or so. I put one in four rooms and gave the rest away like candy to my family. Now they have one in nearly each room. You see, not all of us can give away Macs and Lenovo ThinkPads and HomePods and iPhones and iPads and AirPods and whatnot. I'll admit, 
I'm a bit of a Google girl. I've got lots of Google products as much as you have Apple ones. Actually, scratch that. You probably have more Apple products. My goal one day is to have as much tech lying around as you do, though that may be impossible. I'm sure I at least have more Google and Android products, I think. How's that Pixel 6a doing? Can you give it a hug too? It got jealous when you hugged your HomePod. Anyway, when the Google's Mini came out, I waited for them to go on sale, and as soon as it was buy one get one free for $49, I bought four of them. I was thrilled. I love Google Assistant. She had always done so well on my phones and, unlike Siri, could tell me so much more about everything without saying, here are some search results I found on the web, or whatever it is she says. It was easy enough to set up, but then it happened. Every time I said, hey G, every single device would beep. And it didn't stop there. You ask a question, every single device would answer. Wow. If the door was open the mic from the Google in the next room would answer. Sometimes it didn't even have to be open. Oh, it was so frustrating, annoying, and what's worse, my phone would chime in as well. Stop, stop. I immediately unplugged them and researched. It looked like a lot of people were having the same problem. I got around this by just flipping the mute switch on and off. Soon enough, it just stayed off. A little after that, it was put away in the drawer. I gave away all but two. I had to keep some, just in case there was an update, you know? Well, here we are in 2023 and Google just still cannot figure it out. It tries, it does better, but there's just no way for it to know if I want to talk to my phone or the mini. Having a different wake-up name, Lady A, makes everything a lot smoother. I much prefer the Echo for other reasons too. I love the drop-in feature on Echo devices. Google just still doesn't have that. Oh, it has announcements, but that is definitely not the same. Google also is just dumber when it comes to anything fun. Echo has so many more skills, games, stories and more. While Google may sound less robotic, Echo can just do so much more, especially when you're a parent. No audio file here. You can keep your HomePod bigs and your HomePod smalls or anything in between. (laughs) You can keep all your Google Nests. I'm going to stick with Amazon for smart speakers until there's more competition. I know this email is getting long. Thanks for reading, Laura. But Stephen, why is it that you don't just carry around a battery pack for your phone or phones? When I travel, though I will admit I don't do too much of that, I just bring a big power bank and I'm all set. Mm. I recently bought an Anker 40,000 mAh battery that can also charge my laptop. It sure is a brick, but it's already come in handy. No having Mm. to hunt down outlets, just plug it in right there and you're all set. You could even charge up to four different devices. Best part about it? is that you have a heavy object for self-defence in case you need it. (laughs) Side note, those elusive bugs that don't like to be looked at are such a pain and are unsquashable. Especially as a tester, it's so frustrating. You can test something 20 times and it does it each of those times. Then you go to film it, poof, it stops doing it. Ah! Anyway, thanks for a great tech comedy podcast. All the best, (laughs) Carrie Morales. Thank you, Carrie. What a wonderful email. And thank you to Laura for reading that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry about the amount of tech that we seem to amass around here. Um, I, you know, it is funny, though, because I go through my drawers sometimes and I think to myself, when did I buy that? Because, you know, a lot of the tech I have in here as well, some of it is my wife's tech. So sometimes she'll give me something in to fix or update or charge or whatever it is. And then it just seems to stay here. So I end up with all that tech as well. I've got a laptop lying over there, which I think is my wife's. In fact, I know it's my wife's. And we can't find the power cable for it. So it just lies there. It just sits there and, you know, it'll probably just live there now. That's probably just where it lives. It'll just we'll put a plant pot on top of it uh, in honour of Plant Pot Man, of course. Um, yeah, it's so nice to hear you talk about Google. I didn't know that was a problem. I didn't know the issue where if you talk to one, many would respond. The challenge with Echo sometimes can be that you talk to one and it's the one in the other room. I had this issue when I had one in the living room and one in the kitchen. It wouldn't know which one was meant to answer. Now, obviously, only one would. But sometimes you'd be sitting talking to the one in the living room. You're looking at it. You're, you're It's just across from you. And then the one in the kitchen chimes in. So, yeah, I don't know. But at least, as we know, only one answers. And Siri as well. I mean, Siri will respond and what i find quite interesting is even though i have my iphone with hey siri oh, i've just said it now she'll listen uh but h-e-y siri shall we say um 
with that turned on, and the HomePods are sitting here, it still seems to understand that I want to talk to the HomePods only. So that's quite interesting. We're going to talk more about the HomePods on Saturday's uh, show. I'm really looking forward to this. So if you uh, check out the weekend, we're, I, I'm going to unashamedly geek out with Greg Hayes on Saturday's show. I warn you now, it is going to be a geek fest. And there's a lot of demo and there's a lot of chat about HomePod. The whole show is on HomePod. So check that. If you ever wanted to know what this thing can do, you want to check out this episode. It's coming up on Saturday uh, on EMI Audio, noon, 8pm, 4am Eastern Time as always, on EMI Audio, and of course, on the podcast. Let's get another uh, voicemail in from Eleanor. Hi Stephen, it's Eleanor. Hello. I really enjoyed your interview with David Ward. Oh yeah. I discovered Echo Tips through Robin's Dot to Dot podcast. Although it's frustrating when we hear about features that are only available in America, at least if there's something you're interested in, you can look out for it. I remember how thrilled I was when we finally got follow-up mode. Oh, yeah. And Sean was beyond excited when Whisper Mode came to the UK. (laughs) You're absolutely right about Lady G. Her voice is far more expressive. And for conversation, she's miles ahead of Lady A. You can have a proper conversation with her. She's incredibly intuitive. And you don't have to stick to the things she tells you you can say to her. Say hi to Lady G and she'll respond by calling you by your name and inquiring how you're doing. Amazon had great plans to give you a more personalised experience with Lady A and to make her sound more natural. All that has probably been put on hold. Lady G is still far better for information, but the Echo is definitely the top smart speaker because of the skills. Although you can play some games on the Google speaker, Lady A leaves her standing. They both have their own strengths. For me, both's best. Passed on my best to Sean, and I hope he gets rid of the um, crutches soon. Crutches and a blind person are not a, a good way to go. No. Speak to you soon. Bye. Thanks, Anna. Take care. And yes, Sean and Crutches. Let's just narrow it down, shall we? Sean and Crutches. Bad idea. I think that's it. I mean, you know, he's already got a broken leg. He's going to end up like that guy in the... Did you ever, did you ever see that movie, National Lampoon, European Vacation? Eric Idle was in it, the Englishman, and he they, they go to England and he keeps hitting this guy with his car and he keeps bumping into him. and it's, it's absolute chaos. And every time I watch that movie, I think of Sean. I think he is Eric Idle in that movie. Um, Brian Williams writes on Twitter he says I asked Lady A tell me an interesting fact about Norfolk this is a a place in England the reply Norfolk is in Europe he says wow that's information that would certainly liven up a party Um, (laughs) yes (laughs) not anymore updates required I think on that one Uh, okay let's get another email in uh, from Janine hi Stephen first off all the best to Sean as he recovers It's that time of the year, not just winter weather, but the time to find out just how much of one's health insurance deductible can be used with one's visit to urgent care. So hey, let's be careful out there. Thanks for the interview about the obstacle detecting glasses from Lighthouse Tech. I vaguely recall trying a pair of glasses with obstacle detection in the temples a while back at some conference or other. I used to attend O&M conferences here in the States when I worked for a guide dog school, and I'm sure that's where I test drove this similar product. Sadly, stylish was not the word I'd have used for them. Utilitarian, okay, ugly it was, with very heavy black frames and very plastic construction. I believe they were being shown by Ambutech, makers of canes and other mobility aids. I'm a huge Ambutech fan and enjoy trying things out whenever I can at conferences. 
I don't know if they still carry these glasses or even what they were called, but they worked similarly to the Sunu band and Buzzclip, emitting a vibration when they encountered an obstacle at varying distances. I don't recall exactly what variation they used to show proximity, but you could set them for one to two metres range. I've been blessed with guide dogs who generally have been very good at overhead obstacle detection, though, as the instructors will say, it's a difficult skill to learn and not all dogs do it well. I probably wouldn't use them for walking outside then. Where I found the glasses helpful was in the conference exhibition hall. You know if you've ever been to any conference or trade show exhibition space that sometimes it's so loud and distracting that when you approach a booth it's hard to tell if there's someone in front of you or how deep the queue is. Same thing with lines moving. There I haven't been as blessed in terms of dogs. Some of my dogs were really good at moving with the line and paying attention while others tried to skip the line altogether or dawdled around waiting for me to figure out we needed to move. At the popular booths often you encounter what I call the wall of asses. No wonder my dogs get distracted. How often have you reached out to find the table edge only to confront, well, something that's going to get you cancelled if you keep your hand there much longer? (laughs) This is where such devices come in handy. I have both the Buzzclip and Sunu Band. I like the Sunu Band for obstacle detection at such spaces, but more on that in a minute. The glasses I tried were quite good at letting me know if someone was in front of me. I could also move my head naturally to scan the booth to find out where the human was, or if there was even anyone on the other side of the table. I did like being able to naturally look around to get the info about where people were standing. Depending on the acoustics in the room, sometimes that can be difficult. Years of audio work don't help my ears either. Sigh. All that to say that the idea of obstacle detection in glasses has been around for a while, but even so, coming from eyewear designers is a very good thing. No more dorky-looking chunky frames that feel like they came from the dollar store. I'm not a glasses person. I can't stand anything on my face. Even wearing a baseball hat with the bill pulled down makes me feel like someone is covering my eyes. I'm sure, though, that these glasses can and will work for someone. The real problem in O&M that could use a good solid solution, though, is drop-off detection. Someone, somewhere, has to make a device that can attach especially to walkers and wheelchairs so that blind and low-vision people using such devices get accurate info about drop-offs without having to use a mile-long cane. I'm even wondering about how some of the AI-based obstacle and terrain identification being done that might help this issue. Hoping you have some listeners out there who do get around independently using a wheelchair or walker and have solutions to the issue of detecting drop-offs. Back to why I like the Sunu band. When I remember I have it and take it out of the box, charge it and actually put it on, the band has a number of settings, some of which are very handy should you be staffing an exhibition booth, How do you know when someone comes up to the booth if they don't speak? How do you know if they just wander away silently? You can set the band to let you know these things, so it alerts you to when someone comes into range, then alerts you again when they leave. That's also a brilliant feature for handling lines. It, like the buzz clip, has a notification for proximity. I think you can adjust the SUNY band for more granulated proximity distances. All this to say that such devices are great when you remember them. I'm a huge fan of Soundscape, and its positional audio, and wish there was an equivalent for haptics, like in these devices. Well though, if you think about it, going out for a simple walk involves putting on your smart glasses, getting your detection device fastened to whichever body part you choose, harnessing up your guide dog or grabbing your cane or both, then remembering your keys and phone. Whew, I'm tired already, and you wonder why blind people like lanyards. (laughs) Okay, now that I've saved you from the wall of asses, I want to find out if there's a robot to clean my house. Is way beyond smart vacuum capabilities. Janine and her new blind girl detection suit. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's an idea. Maybe just get wearable clothing that we just have all this stuff already attached. You just take one plug, you plug a USB cable into it, and that and charges the whole thing up, and you just stick it on and ready for the day. Um, I think that's the problem with being blind, though, isn't it? You know, it, it does involve so much. Maybe it's because... You know, okay, so you're blind, you've got a lot, you've got to think ahead. This is the one thing that whenever I leave the house, and it's funny, I've really noticed this since the pandemic, since the beginning of lockdown, really, because I was out every single day going to an office, and every single day I had my routine, I had my bag, everything was in that bag. I would never take, for example, my wallet or my keys. I had a separate set of keys in the house or opening and locking the doors when I was in the house versus the ones that were in my bag, which stayed with me so I could, you know, unlock the door in the morning and then get back in. So I always knew where everything was. You had to know where everything was. And 
couple of weeks back, maybe three or four weeks back, I was heading out to town and I might have told you this story, but I had gone out and my watch, my Apple watch was, it was the Apple watch ultra, which I had reconnected to my iPhone, the iPhone 13 mini set it all up and off I went. And in the intervening time, of me trying to leave the house, the rain comes on really heavily and my mum comes around to the house because she's picking up the dog. So all this happens at once. And I've got myself kind of organising myself and I'm just trying to remember what's in the bag and what do I need and I need my wallet, I need my cane, I need my keys, I need my phone, I need all these things. And she says to me, I'll, I'll drive you around to the bus stop, it'll save you getting soaked in the rain, right? So I thought, you know, okay. And I wasn't overly keen on it because I thought I kind of want to get out and walk, but okay, fair enough. Let's not get too proud here. Let's just, you know, take the offer, right? So I did. So my mum takes me around, and what I did was, because I was in a rush, I had my phone in my hand, and my wallet, I had thought was in the bag. So I grabbed the bag, I grabbed my phone, I grabbed my cane, I grabbed what I can and what I remember, and of course it's all that rush of, let's go, let's go, come on, let's go. And so we, we get in the car, and I get to the bus stop, I get out of the car, and I check my bag, and I realise the wallet's still in the house. And the wallet has my bus pass in it, has my bank card in it. And I thought, okay, that's fine, because you know what? I've got my iPhone, I've got my card on there, I've got my Apple Pay. Okay, I don't have my bus pass, but, you know, I'll just pay for the bus. That's fine, okay, whatever. Where's my phone? Oh, my phone has been left in the car, because I must have put it in the car, and all the carry on, I've just put it down and then forgot to lift it back up. So now I have my wallet in my house. I have my phone in my mum's house, or at least in her car. Okay, my watch. I've got my watch. I've got Apple Pay on the watch. I can make a call. So I'm fine. Apple Watch wouldn't work. Mobile data wasn't working for whatever reason. Wouldn't work. Couldn't make a call. Couldn't use Apple Pay. Said the card wasn't there. And honestly, it just I, the amount of preparation that goes into a day out these days is just incredible. And you could say, well, you should have prepared more. I thought I did. Honestly, I thought I'd had enough preparation. I thought I'd done it all. But it does go to show that very quickly you end up in a situation where, well, that day was cancelled for me. I just couldn't do it. And, you know, it, it does show the amount of thought and process that goes into our day. When, you know, friends of mine who've got cars wouldn't even think twice about any of this stuff. You know, leave the house without the wallet and think, okay, do you know what, I'll just drive back and get it. But it's the hassle of, I've just had to cross a very busy road. Well, okay, I've dropped off, but, you know, I would have had to cross a very busy road. I now have to cross that road again. And that road is a nightmare to cross. And, you know, I don't have anything else on me that I can use. I mean, all this technology I have, and I had no ability to, to contact or do anything. And actually, if the watch had behaved, if the watch had done what it was supposed to do, and there were reasons, it was actually... Uh, I'd been switching banks, and that's why the bank card wasn't working, because the bank had been taken off Apple Pay, and therefore it wasn't available on the watch. And that was the reason for that. The mobile thing, I don't really understand to this day. It works now. Don't know why it didn't work then. Um, but it, it does go to show that technology can very quickly let you down, and it can cause you problems. But of course, equally, if you don't prepare enough, then you can be stuffed as well. It was, it was one of those days, I just, honestly, I don't think I ever got so frustrated that day as I did. I came home and I just ranted at my poor wife who just sat there listening to me. And then she just went in and she made me a nice cup of tea and I decided that I was not leaving the house ever again. <laughs> just, I'm never going out again. This is a nightmare. And I would do that every day. But it goes to show that with the pandemic and with everything else and being at home all the time, you don't go out as much that you kind of lose that skill. You lose that, you, you kind of lose your sharpness to things that you need to do and need to have. Anyway, take a short break, come back. We're going to be talking to Sanjay Batra shortly. He is from Google, and he's going to be telling us all about the work they do at Google too, and he does at Google with his team, to make sure that disabled people's voices are heard in the uh, process of building new products and services at Google. And we'll get some great examples of that. That's coming up next on Double Tap. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. 
This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. So a couple of weeks back, I got the chance to sit down with uh, someone very special from Google. Uh, It's not often we get a chance to speak to people inside the company who are actually doing the work that essentially creates a lot of the tools we have and certainly make sure that our voices are represented in these businesses. I mean, it's fair to say, I think, I think we can safely say this now, certainly for Google, certainly for Microsoft, we imagine for Apple, because we never really know what goes on at Apple, truthfully, behind closed doors. Uh, but we certainly hope and we we believe that, you know, the voices of blind and disabled people are heard. But we know for sure it happens at Microsoft. They promote it every day. They encourage it every day. And we see it through the products they create. They clearly are built with blind people in mind, disabled people in mind, and also through the voice of blind people and disabled people more generally. Because, for example, you know, with the Microsoft Inclusive Tech Lab, you know, they are really showcasing that. Google have done the same. They've got a similar type lab in London. And uh, that's something we hope to talk more about in future episodes. Maybe even get a visit there. We'll take the show down there and we'll uh, learn all about it and figure out how it all works and, and what it actually does. But this might give you an indication today of the kind of work that Google does to make sure that, that our voices are represented in the room when it comes to new products and services. And Sanjay Batra is the guy uh, we spoke to. I'm a research manager at Google. I've worked uh, most of my career in research and, or, you know, and, and, a hard, and when I did hard work, a subset I called human factors engineering or ergonomics, but worked equally in cognitive as well as you know, physical. So before I came to Google, I had a stint in the, the internet and online and software world. And then I wanted to do mobile. So I went to Motorola Mobility and started working on hardware. And I realized there that with voice technology coming up, uh, that I wanted to work at the intersection of hardware and software, especially as things get more mobile and ubiquitous in computing, that that's where I think we could make the most uh, difference for folks. Now, you know, people will argue that, that the wonderful devices we have, our phones and things like that have caused side effects and distraction. But, you know, honestly, it's the phone, even with all its problems, is the one universal assistive technology device that often has workarounds for you. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, of course, you're alluding there to the, the challenges that we, you know, we, we're reading about on a daily basis now with social media and all the problems that come with all of that. Um, but the, the reality is that you know, this has been a real leveler. For us as blind people uh, and disabled people generally, right? It's given us access to things. It's given us access to tools that we never thought possible. It's interesting because, Sanjay, in your line of work, when you saw and you knew of the first touchscreen device, did you think like the rest of us, even in your field, did you think, how is this going to work for blind people? Because I was thinking that at the time. I thought, what happens here with this? I'm out. This is it. I'm locked out of this. Well, a lot of people also, yeah. I I said... uh, yeah, how's, how's this going to work? And then when we started building our smartphones at Motorola with our own software, and then we switched to Android, uh, the first thing that came out were those layers that were put on top of it that simplified your phone. But all you could do was those 10 shortcuts. Yeah. Right? <laughs> okay. Right. And so I said, yeah, this is not good enough. And Apple, I think with the second or third generation product, they had voiceover working on it. And I, I, I told I told Motorola, I need a ADA accommodation. I know I work for Motorola and we're doing Android, but I need you to buy me an iPhone. And to their credit, they did. And so uh, that was a great lesson for me too, that I can wear both hats as a researcher and a technologist and also as part of the community and not a spokesperson to represent all the community. You know, I always tell my folks, I go, yeah, I'm strongly opinionated. And sometimes I wear my researcher hat on and sometimes I wear my hat of, uh, you know, as a consumer and wanting you know, have a barrier removed. But I tell my team, I go, take what I say as a consumer skeptically, because we got to talk to more than just uh, people that work at Google. Well, yeah, that's right. Um, But it's fair to say that Google has come on leaps and bounds, as has a lot of, uh, you know, as of a lot of tech companies in fairness, but Google have certainly been up there um, more readily, I think, than, than some other companies. I mean, we know when Apple brought the iPhone, everyone was all, ooh, very exciting. And then when the voiceover came along, we were all very excited yeah. about that as blind people, and that was great. But Google weren't far behind. TalkBack came along, and it's yeah. being developed constantly. And I think, to actually, to TalkBack's credit, and one particular thing that I really love about TalkBack 
is the fact that it's been detached from the operating system as an application yeah. on its own because it makes it so much easier for you guys to go in and fix the problem and then update it. We don't have to wait for a full release. I think that's something which is brilliant about TalkBack. Uh, yeah. It's not the only thing I think is brilliant about it. I think it does many things, but that is one that really does stand out for me as a reason to be excited by TalkBack, the fact that the team have that, that capability. Um, how involved are you in all of that side of it? Um, we work very closely with the software platform teams. As far as my inclusive design program, where you know we do the hardware research first, but but I also tell my team for many things, and not just product inclusion or accessibility, we want to be at that intersection of hardware and software. So we have a very fluid collaborative relationship with our you know Android team partners because I think that collaboration is key in an open ecosystem. Having things that can work at that intersection of hardware and software. Yeah, absolutely. And and you're bringing the users in here, right? You're bringing them in. You're allowing people to have their say to influence. And that's important. That's, I mean, we, we, we can't really move away from that too quickly. I mean, that's a major part of this. People yeah, are having we, their say. You know, the idea that you guys are in a room somewhere just coming up with all the answers and, you know, not involving the community, that's just nonsense, right? We bring people in. But one of the best practices I'm putting with my team is people with disabilities are all over the world. And they can't always, it's not always easy. There's barriers for them to get to you. So we got to go to them whether it's virtual or reimbursing them for transportation if they need to, to come to a facility we're at. We want to just reduce those barriers mm -hmm. to talk to the people we need, want to talk to. Now, there are a lot of things I'm sure we could talk about, but Guided yeah. Frame is one feature which I think has really caught the attention of many tech journalists, and rightly so, um, but also the blind community as well, because this is something which enables you to do something that well, it seems everybody wants to do these days, Sanjay, which is take a picture of their own face and share it to the world. And yeah. as a blind person, yeah. we should be excluded from that, right? Why not? Why can't we do that too? And we can with this feature. So tell me a little bit about your involvement in the work behind this. I was one of the people that uh, participate a lot. We we do a, a, a fall of event that's called uh, you know Accessibility, Disability and Inclusion Week, right? And part of that, teams do a sprint or a little hackathon. And this was one of the ideas that uh, our colleague, Lee Gung, which uh, had uh, said, you know, I'm forming a team do that. I go, that's great, just do it. And he goes, can I invite you to the presentation? Because then you could talk about how important it is. And so he did that and it was received really well. And then I said, okay, to get impetus, to get this to the point where if it gets hard and things do get hard in the development mm -hmm. process, we say, okay, we'll just put it out later. So, uh, so we did that. I said, I want to talk to marketing about what they think of this in terms of a hero use case, because we get marketing and product management interested in it, then somehow it'll get done. And so I just, you know, kind of used my position for both in both communities and made the connections. It, it sounds like your role is really valuable because you're able to bring parts of the organization together. It's really, I want to pick you up on that point about marketing because that's really interesting. So. And I guess we kind of forget that because we've seen the announcement, we've heard it, we've been watching the videos, we've seen Molly Burke demonstrating the product, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that has been fantastic. But you kind of forget that, I guess, in the organisation, there's a lot of different features that are coming out that all want to be marketed. Yeah. And do you find that accessibility is the one that kind of gets left behind sometimes? Or do you feel that Google are, are more open to... to, to promoting it i found the opposite because i always talk to our i go we sh we should always at least have an accessibility hero use case we may not have one every year that we want to consider and they'll go through a process where they'll get the marketing folks from all over the world and guided frame definitely got a lot of excitement so where do you find the people that you work with do you do you put a call out for people do you google has a short list of uh, you know, organizations that we worked with in the different disability communities. So we go to them. We built our own panel of people with different disabilities that agreed to be in Google research studies. They're mainly in North America, but we're branching out to other areas. And because we didn't want, want recruiting to be a barrier. So these folks are pre-recruited. And so their, their, their information is already taken for what we need for screening studies. 
And on a normal Google study for the general population, it's two to three weeks to recruit people. From our panel, it's less than a week because they're already pre-recruited. Because one of the barriers I saw was that people said, oh, it's so hard to find people with disabilities for a study. And I go, okay, let, let me remove that barrier for you. We'll just, we'll just pre-recruit them. Um, so, so, so we have that within our hardware team. Plus, also, Google has a really good panel of trusted testers with people with disabilities that's run globally. So we take advantage of that. My team gets pretty scrappy. We, we will look at multiple different sources uh, and do that. So, uh, so, so there's lots of different ways that we can do that right now. Sanjay, it's really interesting talking to you. We, there's so much more we could talk about. Please come back and geek out with us again okay. Okay. And, and tell us all about the, the workings in Pixel and Chromebook and everything else you're doing over there at Google because it's, it's just brilliant to hear from you. And I just want to thank you so much for coming on to Double Tap today. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, thank you to Sanjay, who I spoke to a while back. Uh, Sanjay Batra there from Google. And we had the fantastic conversation, as you just heard, all about the inner workings of Google and how disabled voices are represented through his team. Absolutely brilliant. Tell us your thoughts on what you're hearing on the show. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. I know I can't stop you, but and I wouldn't want to, trust me. Uh, I love your emails. I love getting them in. Uh, feedback at doubletaponair.com. You can also uh, drop us, uh, or not drop us, but leave a voice message for us on our listener line, one 803 4567 Let's get an email now read for us by Laura from Rebecca. Thanks for taking the time to listen to and explain the Envision webinar. This takes me back to the days when US customers paid for software maintenance agreements for JAWS and certain Braille note-takers. The initial cost of most devices, both mainstream and specialist tech, are the time devoted to maintenance and troubleshooting and subscriptions. Subscription pricing is becoming the new norm, and the only thing I blame Envision for is not clearly setting up expectations to begin with. Sustainability and accessibility need to be built in from the ground up. The Envision glasses were given to me as a gift and I have no idea where I fit in on the subscription model. The only way I can justify a $200 annual SMA is if Envision added barcode scanning and GPS or improved OCR and object recognition. Perhaps Envision could make revenue selling accessories, including an external device that could act as a light source for dark environments. It is not always possible to control lighting in our environment. If users have trouble lining up the camera on the glasses with a document, why not offer an option to put the document on a stand so it can be positioned just right? This may not work, but Envision needs to consider other options like a monthly subscription option. Maybe there are tasks that someone needs occasionally but not all the time. Encourage developers to add more apps. Improve the voice command feature. I want this product to succeed, but set expectations accordingly. At the time of writing, the latest update that may determine my subscription options has not been pushed out to my device yet. Thanks, as always, for a great show. Well, thank you, Rebecca. You know, it is interesting, isn't it? We, we get these devices or we use these devices or we try them and we almost instantly see all the potential that it has. And then we <laughs> perhaps instantly get a little bit depressed at either the cost or the fact that maybe it just doesn't do this thing exactly like we expected. You know, I think we also have to remember as a community here that, you know, this technology is very much in its infancy. I mean, it's not even out in the mainstream. I know that Google Glass was a thing and I know it came out first and that's how essentially Envision is able to do what it does because it uses the Google Glass enterprise platform. I get that. But these are not mainstream products. So even in, you know, we're, we're kind of ahead of ourselves in this, which is good. I think the problem for us as a community and I'm speaking for me, really, is I feel sometimes we are beta testing all this stuff and we're paying the price for that beta testing. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not saying it's, it's a good thing. I'm just saying it's a thing. We are. There's a lot of this technology that comes out that we're kind of just being told to trust. Just get on board, get on the program. It's going to be great. And then you spend thousands upon thousands of dollars, those of us who can, and there's many, many of us who can't, and we spend all that money, and then we get a product which is okay. It's okay. And I think the problem for, for people like me, I, I look at this, as, a, and it's not specific to Envision or any of these things, but I look at the, the 
capability of the technology that is available today. And then I look at the capability of the, so let's take glasses, right? So look at what Google Glass can do compared to what your smartphone can do. And then we look at what Seeing AI has achieved as an app. And then we think to ourselves, well, imagine that in glass form. But at the moment, you really can't. I think that's the problem. And I think Envision have a lot of work to do to try and, and, and make it work. But they are, they are really held back by the limitation of the hardware they are operating on. That's, I think, the ultimate problem. It's not that Envision is the problem. It's that Google, and it's not even Google is the problem. It's just that the technology is just not there yet. It's not capable enough. It's not fast enough. It doesn't have the battery life to, you know, give you 10 hours of, of work in a day so that if you make an IRA call, it, you know, it's not going to kill your battery on a, a pair of Envision glasses. There's a lot of challenge here. I'm not excusing anyone for this, but it's just that essentially we are a little bit hamstrung by the technology that exists because no specialist tech company for blind people is out there making glass for us. Do you know what I mean? So we're not there yet. And I think it's going to take some time, but I agree that it's it's difficult when it comes to what the, the next step is and whether or not you would buy. And, what, you know, it, I, I get it. For people who are making the decision to buy today, it must be a really difficult one. And subscription services do always come with that, oh, more money. But then you have to also ask yourself the question, how else do these companies continue? Can, can they just survive on you giving them money once and then we all just walk away? Is that going to work? I don't know. Listen, it's been another great show. I've, enjoyed, I've had a great time here today. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. I've uh, enjoyed myself chatting away with you. I hope you've had a, a nice time. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow with more. We'll be talking about Samsung Unpacked, the big event from Samsung, of course, happens today. Uh, we'll bring you all the news tomorrow on the show, and uh, I'll give you more details on our upcoming weekend show, which is a proper geek out session on the Apple HomePod. Stick around for that and lots more. Keep your feedback coming. Feedback at doubletaponair.com call and leave a message on our listener line one 803 4567 Catch you tomorrow. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-tv every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.